The year is 1986. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club, where we're going through the best and most important comics of Marvel from its origins to today. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman. I'm joined today by Dave, the only podcaster who I hypnotized with my mind, and he's a cyborg. I don't know. I, don't know <laughs> I, I thought I had something. That is how most uh, attempts to summarize Electro Assassin to, do tend to go. That's right. Oh, see, we are talking Electro yeah. Assassin today. As well as the Captain America issues that we could not get to uh, last time in our conversation around Daredevil Born Again and Love and War. So that's right. This is My Marvelous Year. We go through Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We are on 1986 Part 5. And we are talking first Captain America 320 to 323. And then Electro Assassin number 1 to number 8. In Epic Comics... Uh, release written by Frank mm-hmm. Miller with art by Bill Sienkiewicz. That is going to be the bulk of the episode. A couple notes up front. Uh, one, if you are interested in reading Electro Assassin, unlike basically everything else on the, the My Marvel this year list, it is not included in the Marvel Unlimited service, so you will have to find it elsewhere. Uh, perhaps us talking about it can convince you to or or to not take that action. Uh, yeah. Two, if you like My Marvel this year, Please consider uh, uh, joining and backing us on patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear, where you can support the show and also get some cool benefits in the process. And uh, if you would be so kind as to consider rating and reviewing My Marvelous Year on iTunes, Ooh, that yeah. goes a super long way. And this this episode's challenge for rating and reviews is to rate, review, and to tell us what was your weirdest superhero movie viewing experience. Okay, and uh, a recent or I think our last variant cover episode, Zach and I talked about uh, going to the drive-in to see some superhero movies. We want to know what was your strangest movie experience because because you know we we don't all have the opportunity these days, right, to go to go to the movies like some of us might love to do. So let's relive mm-hmm. some of the stranger times back when it was a little simpler on going uh, to the movies. Yeah, yes, please love to. Yeah, we'll read those out on the variant cover if. Uh... Well, if they're five stars. If they're, and again, that is us rating your review, not yes. telling you you have to give us five stars. It's just no, us it evaluating. Isn't. Oh, no, I am, I'm saying that. Well, Don't it's a huge part of our evaluation criteria. Come you know, on, we're just two. We're just two dudes. We're just two dudes out here trying our best. Why would you leave? Why would you give us four stars? And that'd be a fine four star review, Frank. I'm like if, 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 if they gave us four I'm stars not, and said, you know what, it's not like NPR. two dudes trying yeah. their best. <laughs> yeah. I accept that. I accept that. It's not yeah. entirely wrong. It's not entirely wrong. So let's uh, can let, let's do like a real quick overview overview of uh, Epic Comics, which just started. Well, hang on. Right, we're gonna do Captain Epic. America first. We're gonna knock out Cap. You want to? And then we'll then we'll dig into the meat. Uh, okay. and, and we very much will do that. Ooh, so I mean, that, that, that's thematically appropriate too. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. So Captain America 320 to 323, the reason these issues are on the list is because we are getting into the Mark Grunewald written uh, era of Cap. 
comics. We got Paul mm-hmm. Neary on art, Dennis Junkie on inks, and Captain America number 320. Now, number 320, the issue is uh, Scourge. Okay, it's Captain America finally confronting Scourge. Now, we have not been reading. I'm sorry. Sorry, Scourge? Scourge. Scourge, yeah. I guess. Here's the thing. We already have yeah. a Scourge with a U in Asgard, right? The Executioner. Oh, we saw, yeah, you're right. Of yeah, course, yeah, in yeah. Thor. So when I see a different spelling, I am inclined to pronounce it differently. <laughs> to, yeah, okay. to differentiate <laughs> Scourge and Scourge. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying no, I'm please. right. I want to hold you to that. that I'll, I'll uh, admit that pronunciation uh, mistakes <clears throat> happen on occasion. Uh, you've never been more aware since starting that YouTube channel, right? It's def- I mean, it is, uh, I would say, the number one YouTube uh, comment. Type of comment? Is yeah, correcting that's, that's a pronunciation. Amazing. It's incredible. Like, I would not have, I just, you know, I would never a, have guessed that would be the number one thing people wanted to do. I only got that on the show, I think, like, one time, well, besides the great, like, Tigra debate, um... I got the only one time on, like, early My Marvelous Year, because I said, like, nuclear. Nuclear? I don't know. I I said it the wrong way, the way that George W. Bush says it, instead of nuclear. Uh Uh-huh. And someone. But it was, like, someone I knew. It wasn't, like, some random person, like, you know, ambushing me and being like, excuse me. We've talked Um, about this before, but I, I I actually have zero problem with the pronunciation correction, because otherwise I won't know. Um, oh yeah, I don't. I don't especially. I, I mean, I don't want you to correct my pronunciation of like everyday words, but um, artists and creators. Yeah, like Bill Sinkevich. I looked up because we're going to be using his name a lot. It's Bill Sinkevich. <laughs> that's how I've been saying it. So I feel. Uh, did fine you about actually that. see that? That's his. That's his Twitter handle is at sin and then kev all in caps itch. That would <laughs> so that a million like... percent make sense as to how I know how to say it. <laughs> uh, but I had funny. not put that together. So yeah, uh, in in. 320, it's Cap versus a Scourge. But it's the it's the mm-hmm. final confrontation between these guys. Now, why do we throw you right into the thick end of the final confrontation? Because the Scourge saga is across, like, a billion issues. And the mm-hmm. deal with a Scourge is that this individual, he does two things. He kills bad guys, okay, like supervillains mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. And he cries out, uh, justice will be served when he does it. That's his thing. <laughs> right, and we yeah. we jump to the gun. We jump to the conclusion because in this issue, in issue three twenty, uh, Scourge he kills a bunch of supervillains at a bar. Am I remembering this right? It's been a while yeah, since like we read 29. it. Yeah, like twenty nine. Yeah, so Mark Greenwald's doing some fun stuff here. I uh, I oh the I bar with no name. Some, yeah, 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 exactly. Which is like the um, it's like the supervillains bar, right? And like it, it's kind of funny because Captain America is brought there by what Water Wizard? Is that who it is? Um. I think so. It, it's some like minor, you know, C tier supervillain brings him there. C tier is, uh, is be- generous for Water Wizard. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, brings him there to like show him that someone has murdered all these supervillains, and like you get a shot of all the corpses. I think it's actually really effective for me, at least, like more effective than Mutant Massacre. Um, sorry to sneak that little dig in there, but it is also sorry, a little I just, funny because you were, you cut out for about thirty. Yeah, seconds you just there. you just heard static. Yeah. Mm. Um. I think it's a little funny, though, because you get the shot of the bar and, like, all these corpses piled up. And they're all wearing their supervillain costumes, or, like, most of yeah. them are. No, it's like a supervillain yeah. bar where supervillains hang out hang as out in costume. This bar, the yeah. bar with no name, does debut in Cap 318, two issues before this, by the same creative team. So by Grunewald and Paul Neary. Uh, so this is a creation of theirs. And it's a good one. I like that Weird. idea. Weird. Look, listen to this, though. I'm uh, I'm on the, um, the wiki page for this the like marvel fandom page for what the bar and, with like, no name 
No, for this this issue. Okay. Right? And under other characters, it has like it's not twenty nine, which is how many characters he says died, but it's maybe fifteen characters that it just says corpse of. So like he pulled in a bunch of like like they are they are all named characters with blue links to other uh wiki pages. Oh, they're real super so, like they're not just like oh I made yeah, up I a character just, just for this. They're like characters that yeah, have it's been like around. Hellraiser, for Rapier, Vamp, Shellshock, Grappler, Birdman. <laughs> uh melter oh melter i remember melter we know melter him. yeah 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 there's a lot here that's surprising i kind of just assumed that it was like a you know a bunch of random made up villains that you know were just there for set dressing um oh that's interesting you pulled in a bunch of probably like silver age super villains that no one ever wrought and that's that's again. what makes scourge and the saga kind of interesting is the fact that he is out there hunting occasionally known properties if you're a long time marvel yeah. universe reader right he's doing the punisher thing where it's like these are criminals yeah. they must die and uh captain america being captain america is like uh maybe we don't just shoot them maybe we try a different yep. way right and that's i mean that's what this issue is is it's putting those ideologies to the test um scourge himself is i mean again kind of like punisher it's like he's sort of a cap fan you know like he would not otherwise yeah. oh, be yeah. trying yeah. to he- shoot cap he like really doesn't want to hurt Captain America because he doesn't think he's a villain and eventually he kind of comes around on like he has to do it but only because like Captain America is going to stop him but like he really doesn't want to um i think yeah, the coolest thing about scourge is the the idea that he is an idea is is probably the it's very v for vendetta i suppose in a way where it's like scourge is not an individual he is an idea so other people mm. can take up the Scourge mantle, you know? So there's kind of some mystery here, basically about, like, was he acting alone? And that is something that will, that creators will continue to play with um, and, and kind of this, like, unstoppable threat, in a way. Well, at the, end of, at the end of this, too, like, I think while Captain America's fighting him, somebody off-screen shoots Scor- Scourge, God, Scourge himself, and, uh, and, like, yells, justice is served. Yes, right. And it, yeah, it, like, kind of gives this idea that, you know... So Scourge got Scourge. other people... Yeah. Scourge won for Scourge, right? <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, yeah, and that moves us into, <clears throat> I think, 321 through 323. Is that right? Is 321 that to 322 are all uh, Cap versus Flag yeah. Smasher story. And then 323 yeah. is kind of dealing with the repercussion of that. Yes, right. And also setting up so, the more interesting story to come. Yeah, say. so Flag Smasher is a is a terrorist, right? He's framed here as like this ideological terrorist. Um I would like it if he literally smashed more flags, I think. <laughs> right, like froze them with liquid nitrogen. Just, just <laughs> like and went through that whole process just really so made a scene of it. Smash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise, what are you doing? Um, and his whole thing is he's a he's like one of these, you know, like world citizen, you know, I'm like uh what are those people called? You know, like the am I being detained guys who are like, I, I am allowed to go anywhere I please and you can't detain me. <laughs> what are the am I being detained guys? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Is this like people who believe uh, that like there are no boundaries and just like, yeah, it's I some go very kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Like I'm an international citizen. You cannot detain me. Like this is, unalo- you know, yeah. Like my, we're, we're my, all citizens my... of the world. Right. I mean, they're not, they're not. Okay. So, there's some what did you think about the politics of this because like flag smasher is inherently political um and i was kind of bad and hear what you thought boring that's that's uh, so this is my big problem with grunewald so far and we saw this in oh well we already recorded the squadron supreme so we're going to talk about this in squadron supreme but my issue is that he uh he has like 
kind of vaguely interesting character concepts and then i feel like it doesn't get explored whatsoever so like flag smasher's thing is just like he doesn't yeah he doesn't believe in borders he's kind of like you know he, he's very anti-nationalism and right? he's against the idea of like you know all these like hard boundaries and you know i don't know though it's it's a little unclear because like anti-nationalism that... conceptually is a villain where i'm like okay i'm, I'm gonna listen to what you're saying i suppose yes and right? i i wish it leaned into that better yeah you know like it, it's good enough and it's interesting enough that like i'm i craved it being more fleshed out and more nuanced because he's but really it's really... more of an 80s uh hostage terrorist situation i mean really yeah, that's what right it is. it's it's 80s like I, I wanted him action. to you know i mean you have those characters like killmonger and black panther who just do a good job of being like they're the villain but they also make the 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 hero question themselves right sure. they are they're wrapped in some ideology that challenges the ideology of the hero this is what magneto like, does incredibly well i think or the joker or you know like yeah lots lots of different characters can do that but yes yeah magneto is a great example um and he's just not Which that joker though? but i oh my god a b or c <laughs> that's how they're gonna label them I'm the joker, joker abc's i'm joker c that's the kid board book that i'm pitching <clears throat> so i have i want something that i can read to my children that is specifically three jokers related. Oh, your son would love three jokers <laughs> he would oh my god definitely... kids love joker abc's and and joker count to three not to get off on three jokers too much but i like the um the, the best critique i read about it was that like um his name Jeff Johns writes comics that are like absolutely childish, but uh, are also way too adult for children. <laughs> like <clears throat> are really hostile to children or like young people reading them. I thought that was like yeah. Really I mean, apt, calling him especially for this. Yeah, book. I mean, calling him childish is obviously like insulting. <laughs> oh, you didn't call him <laughs> childish. Meant to be. You said they he are writes, certainly not meant for stories children. that are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think. I mean, I think three Joker. Anyway, it's like why die child's optimism? I suppose sometimes or, or child's naivety. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. Naivete. Um, so yeah, I I think these still get carried along by Grunwald and Paul Neary here doing the pencils. I think they do good um, storytelling and they write like interesting, grounded enough stories because like I always love Cap like infiltrating a base. Yeah, like yeah. I can get behind that if it's done well. Like it doesn't have to be fancy. This was literally just like a bunch of hostages are being held in. I don't remember. Like just some uh, cathedral, I think. Um, he had to sneak in and save him and it was like he's just fighting a bunch of henchmen and it was well drawn action and like the stakes are there um it just like he's, he's playing with an ideology but also i don't think he has much to say about it well um, or again it's we talk about this in squadron supreme coming up next but it's also like yeah he might have more to say about it he does not do so here um and oh it's yeah that's what that's what i mean like, yeah 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 exactly so the, the um, real takeaway from these issues though is cap uh is quote-unquote forced to kill a guy Right, so Cap kills a guy, yeah. Yeah. and in order to, you know, he, he has to make a call, and it leads to yeah. the loss of life. And this is a big deal, and it's something that he gets held super accountable for in issue three twenty three. When we start really now, we start digging into the meat of what Mark Grunwald's uh, run at this point in time. He's gonna be on Cap for like ten years, which is amazing. Um, but the yeah. meat of his run and the stuff that I think is really good coming up is is looking at like what is Cap, what does it mean for him to be Captain America? What is that dream? Right? Can he live up to it? And then also, like, where is the country heading, and who are the people and kind of the viewpoints that um, that are kind of in opposition or or approaching that quote unquote American dream differently? Okay, so we start getting really the groundwork laid for that in three twenty three uh, with the introduction of the Super Patriot, who is basically setting up like a 
kind of basically a political campaign to say cap you can't trust cap anymore he's an old fogey he killed a guy i'm the new i should be the new captain america and as Mm -hmm. we see the story progress that's going to be taken more and more literally uh but right now it's just like super patriot he's staging some like you know an attack in order to make himself look good and make cap look lame right he's clearly positioned as like this guy will do bad things for fame and attention right off the bat so it's not just competing ideologies you know he is a basically entering into supervillain territory pretty early. yeah i you see like this, this is a case of expectations and i shouldn't bring like what i wish this was but i do wish that this was a case of like you know because captain america here in grunewald a couple times is brought up as like um i actually really like that i think um flag smasher asks him like why are you captain america then and not like captain justice or captain freedom or whatever like why captain america you know if you really aren't like a mouthpiece for you know a defender of american government and imperialism etc like he challenges him on that which is a very question yeah i mean that's a normal thing that like most people who read captain america will eventually get to um i kind of wish that super patriot was like almost the worst version of that like he was a like this nationalistic version of it but instead he just seems like a cynical guy who's like you're right running a political campaign against it right like he's not like he's not ideologically opposed it really like they there's, set a, this up there's where, a lot more to play out with super patriot i will say okay i i hope so because like right now like the scene that just made me like oh i'm I'm not that interested in this guy. Is like he drives by. He's in a limo and he drives by some old lady being mugged. And his like assistant's like, "Hey, put your mask on." There's an old lady being mugged, and he's like, "Don't bother to stop. Such a petty crime isn't glitzy enough. If it won't make the headlines, the super patriot isn't interested." Yeah, right. And he's like, "Oh well, that's, that's not that interesting to me." Some guy who's just like, um, but you know, that's not quite fair to bring my uh, like what I want that to be. But uh, what is pretty fun to me is he's got a bunch of little sidekicks called the Buckies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved, I loved that. I loved gotta that. love, gotta love bringing back the Bucky's. Um, yeah, just so a bunch I mean, of, like, this is. I would say if you're not men. super into these <laughs> issues yet, uh, I think the next couple years, eighty-seven and eighty-eight, we are going to get probably some bigger Captain. Not probably, we're going to get some bigger Captain America stories cool. uh, that will tap into some of what you're describing a little bit more. Zach, I think uh, Captain yeah. America three thirty-two to three thirty-five is a storyline called The Choice, and, and that's definitely going to weigh into, I think, a lot of what you just described. So that is on. Yeah, I like I like Paul Neary's style. It's nice and simple. It flows well. I kind of like the... Um, Smooth yeah, overall, overall like, comics, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Like, I, I had fun with this. I just were like... I, I think maybe my expectations were high, too, because I've heard of his run. Mm-hmm. He's also, like, he's a little wordy when sometimes I think the action would speak for itself, which uh, which probably has to do with, like, the Marvel method. Yeah, right? it doesn't, that doesn't fall scripts. just on Grunewald, certainly, but it, it is true. No, yeah, there's there's like, there's like a scene here that I specifically came out where um, Flag Smasher and Captain America are tumbling down a mountain, and I was like, wow, this is really cool action, and it is also then captioned with, like, Captain America gasped as he, like, hit the rock, you know, and just right. like, what am I going to do as I fall down this mountain? Like, Flag Smasher, he's such an opponent, and it's just like, no, this is a cool moment. It doesn't need to be narrated with this kind of... Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, pretty Speaking. good. Speaking... I hope I hope it improves because I'm I'm I like I like a cap comment. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what'll happen with the next issues. Uh, speaking yeah. of captions that blow your mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, let's baby. talk Electro Assassin issues one through eight. Uh, I have to say I actually thought this was an original graphic novel, and in my head, and then I remembered no, this is actually split into eight issues. It was released via Epic Comics, which we mm-hmm. talked about, which is a Marvel imprint. Yep. That ran uh, the original version, like started in the early 80s. I think it made it into the 90s. And it's it's basically their version of like Vertigo. 
Like, if you know DC's Vertigo, it's yeah. an early take yeah, yeah. on that. And this is before, like, Vertigo doesn't launch officially until, like, very late 80s, early 90s, I would say. There's some, um, I'm, I'm looking through the, the title list here, and it yeah. basically looks like... The Epic Comics None list? of it, huh? The, the titles of, released Epic by Comics, Epic Comics? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It basically looks like none of this besides Elektra has, is tied into Marvel. Like, I don't Gen- see right, that's here. the thing, is, like, generally it's creator-owned, or maybe not creator-owned, but, like, you know what I mean, like, that Image Comics kind of do-your-own yeah, story. Yeah, like, there's, here's some stuff you might recognize, like, well, and also, like, they're just publishing stuff that was already coming out, like Akira, the manga. Well, so that's <laughs> actually, came... that's actually very, quite different. It's its own story, but, like, that's not just republishing Akira, that's, like, re-envisioning it for an American audience. It's actually a really ooh, kind of wild ooh, that's, uh, that's reinterpretation. It's it's more interesting than you might expect. All right, I'll, I'll check it out sometime. Cadillacs and Dinosaurs is a series uh, here. That um, I've never heard of. You you know that? No, I'm just saying it's a weird Oh, you said here's some you <laughs> might know. <laughs> and then you hear oh, oh, Cadillacs sorry, and yeah. Dinosaurs. Uh, <laughs> Dreadstar by Jim Starlin. Dreadstar, baby. That's a good one. Yeah, ElfQuest. Which uh, that one began as a Marvel like original graphic novel yeah. and then became... An epic comics imprint. Okay. Um, Elfstar or Dreadstar? Or Elfquest or Dreadstar? Uh, Dreadstar did. I don't know about okay. Elfquest. I don't think did. Elfquest started in the 70s. Mobius did a bunch of stuff under uh, Epic Line. Sweet. That's pretty interesting. Anyway, yeah, there's a ton of stuff here. But, oh no, there's a Silver Surfer between Stanley and Mobius. Silver Surfer Parable. Oh, that's that was an epic book. I think that is yeah, in Marvel Unlimited, actually. That one is. Okay. Um, that sounds cool. Which is well worth checking out for the art. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it is actually, the I would say that's Stanley's is... best. It's his most interesting book that I've read of his post-Kirby. Post-60s. Post-Kirby. Yeah. And then there's Electra Lives Again by Frank Miller from 1992, which is not in the My Marvelous Year list, but yet we might reconsider? Yet. Okay. All right. I'm, um, I'm yeah, so Epic Com- that's Epic Comics. That's where Electra Assassin is published because the work... Uh, could not be published under the Comics Code Authority, or yeah, frankly, no any sense of decency. <laughs> right? I mean, like, really, it is, it's Miller is and Sienkiewicz saying yeah. we want to do our M-rated Electra book, right? And yep. that is that's what they do over the course of eight issues. Um, it's uber violent. It is uh, it is vulgar. It is sexual. It is right. It's everything that they otherwise would not be able to do so there's definitely throughout this i think a very at times over the top uh not a, like it's almost always over the top but it's also like ooh, gloves are off we can do these things i think sometimes there's that boundary pushing for the sake of boundary pushing because they yeah, can it, it, i mean they it plays you know definitely uses some like a lot of misogynistic and homophobic slurs for oh sure. yeah like uh, that is that is I one mean, of the biggest challenges yeah, i think it, reading in, now. in a way that i don't think in any way is like it's saying like haha this is good and cool <laughs> right like i mean they're putting the homophobic well, slurs often a in little Richard bit though Nixon's... because it's those are that is the language of the main point of view character in the story who lo and behold is not electra it is uh, a shield agent, okay? Yeah. So, and I do think there's some romanticizing oh, I... how cool, like he's definitely the worst, but also there's some romanticizing him as this cool shield agent. So there's yeah, a maybe, little maybe, have your cake yeah. and eat it too on that one. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, What's his name? Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the the thing well, about yeah, let me before you before you to... do the the summarize. Let me let me just. Oh, I was going to say anecdote. two summarize is a little bit of a you know a fool's errand oh it's crazy yeah but what i what i wanted to say is right off the bat so my copy i have the soft cover collection and uh mary joe duffy edited this and she's been a writer mm-hmm. of marvel for a while and one of my favorite anecdotes here is she talks about just kind of this magic making experience of making this with miller and I, I read the same thing oh so is, is, do you have this intro too it, and she yeah. literally retired when she was done 
She retired. Yep, she, it was that good. She said like she wouldn't be able to top it, and she was yeah. like, "I'm glad that I was another notch on uh, on Electra's like sigh holster." <laughs> it's a gray line. Like, it's a gray line. Oh, yeah. And uh, that that intro is well worth reading if you haven't had. And, a copy. and she talks about this like alchemy between Miller and uh, Sinkevich, which was like Miller would write. Miller was using the full script method here, right? Like I'm I'm pulling that term. I only just recently learned this term. Um, I'm pulling well, do you want to explain Wikipedia, that? Then? But like. Yeah, so uh, as opposed to a um, like a plot script, which I think often we call like the Marvel method, which is that Stanley would like write all the like the, the synopsis, right, and then the artist would actually so Stanley would write like here's what happens in the comic, like overview. Here's a big overview of what happens. Jack Kirby would write out the panels and probably like and then give it back to Stanley, and then Stanley would insert the dialogue, right? Sure. Like they would kind of like the actual storytelling. The visual storytelling is dictated by the artist, not the the writer. Um, you know, and different people work different ways. But, you know, like if you go read Sandman or like Neil Gaiman or Alan Moore, right? They like if you ever read a script, which is interesting to do, I'd recommend going to check it out on some like big works like that. They'll be like page one, panel one. It's the comedian. He's standing in front of his window. Panel two, cut in onto his face and describe like what his face looks like. Like he's right. giving specific instructions. And then I'm sure there's like interplay between the writer and the artist. And that's what they're saying here. So like Frank Miller wrote, you know, like panel by panel <laughs> what's happening, which I think you really have to be an artist to do it to this degree because there was a lot going on. Well, and I think comic. one thing that, that Mary Jo Duffy mentions in the intro is like he would do that, but then he would all, Bill would, Sienkiewicz would do, you know, layouts and, and visuals mm -hmm. and then Frank would go back and rescript or rewrite. And then again, what yeah, she said they would write it like three times yeah. each time. Yeah, which is which makes sense because like it seems virtually impossible for Miller to have laid out quote unquote the, like the idea of comic panels as we understand them is often out the window in many of these Sienkiewicz designs where he's using watercolors yeah. more like throughout this whole thing and it's just kind oh, of yeah. this blend of stuff like like nine panel grids are infrequent occasionally we get like what is it like 24 panel grid type stuff yeah break out yeah, like yeah. a bunch of talking heads um but often the comics panel structure is really blown up uh in a way that is that is obviously them just sort of exploring the limits of the medium so i think broadly my take on electro assassin is like it's a mess um of a story but it's a really interesting creative experiment by two extremely <sighs> yeah, the, talented creators. The energy and like the creativity, like you just feel the alchemy at work between these two guys, like in a way that I felt a little of would love and more, but here it just feels the most like unbridled because again, they're not working in like Mary Jo Duffy mentions this, like they saw that they can do whatever they want. Like literally they can do, they're not restricted by the comic code and they had this like blank check and they just wanted to make the most of it and they just ran with it and the most wild uncompromised <laughs> thing that I think they could come up with yeah um, yeah I, I mean it, the thing is like is it good if you read it I think it's incredible I think it's like almost a masterpiece yeah I think if you're reading superhero comics to read superhero comics, that does not necessarily mean you will be interested in this. It is not really a superhero comic. I don't no, think definitely so. not. I think it is definitely not, and it's, it's not really an electric comic. <laughs> no, <laughs> barely. Know? Like in most ways. Yeah, it's it's kind of an art comic. Like it feels more like, you know, something like I I don't know. It, it feels very removed from 
commercial superhero comics. And, like, if you don't like it for that, I think that is totally valid. Like, I don't want to cast any aspersions if you're just like, this is not my thing, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. I think that's very valid, and, you know, give it, like, two issues if you don't like it. You know, give it like one. I, I, you'll, you'll know in one. Well, um, the, the first one is a little more confusing than the rest. The first one is, like, Electra waking up in a, like, psychiatric ward. They're messing ward. with time a little bit here. So let's, and, and let's give very confusing, broad yeah. plot yeah overviews sure. as far yeah. as again they can be done so most of this is framed each issue begins with like a little like newspaper clipping or something which is a good framing device of like basically it's often someone's been murdered and the the implication of course throughout this is like it's almost always yeah like how electric so one this. of her victims yeah. yeah exactly um it takes the assassin part of her name very seriously i think as far as like okay this doesn't really fit in the marvel universe but if it does where are we in Electra's story um mary joe duffy in some of her interviews has said this in theory, occurs before she appears in the Daredevil comics we've read. So, like, in theory, it's before she meets up with Matt again. But it doesn't matter, but really. It's more just, no, like, here she is yeah. operating as an assassin. You know, kind yeah, of before yeah. the hand gets its clutches into her. I think that's maybe mm-hmm. the only important part here. Um, yeah. But, yeah, she's operating as an assassin. She's got jobs to kill people. And S.H.I.E.L.D. is hunting her down um, is, is kind of where this goes, right? And S.H.I.E.L.D. captures her at various points. She uses that to her advantage. Elektra has... <laughs> shockingly effective uh psychic powers psychic manipulation yeah that's what, that, that she learned from like stick and all them right like they, they kind of recap some of the relationship she had with stick and his uh what are they called the chase yes right and they have like psychic communication and that is extended to like psychic manipulation and swapping bodies like swapping minds or and convincing bodies, people and then, she is someone she isn't you know that or stuff. even like to the degree of like changing the camera feed right like something that's happening people yeah i mean the the thing is like it's whatever they want it's whatever they want exactly i feel like trying to nail this comic down plot wise or any kind of like really specific like so what exactly is going on here is a little bit like watching a david lynch movie and being concerned with that like watching mulholland drive and being like so what exactly was happening there yeah if you're really trying to narrow it down i mean that is a that is a wasted effort uh, I don't think it's the not point. going to help. Yeah, <laughs> and you're not going to yeah. figure it out. Also, yeah, know? it just it just feels like. I mean, I would not say I, it's I incoherent either. As much no, as I, I wasn't lost. It. Like I followed the the basic story of what was happening here, and then I went back and like I read the Wikipedia plot summary, and there was like a couple things where I was like, oh, I didn't get that, but like sure. I can see that now. But for the most part, I like well, and it does along it does the thing that I think here. any really good work or artistic and art, something with really high artistic ambition can do, which is I'm certain. That if I read a variety of criticism on Electro Assassin or hear a number of, you know, fans of the book talk about it, they will pick up on different things that I did not get. Oh, for um, sure. I'm certain that is layered <laughs> I mean, throughout this, this one book. Of these, like... That's that's kind of like essential to it. And that's that to me is a really interesting comic book, right? It's and it's obviously doing like, things yeah. in ways that like great example, the Captain America issues we just talked about, there aren't a whole lot of layers. You know what I mean? Like those yeah. panels yeah, yeah. are clear. That the the structure of that story is clear. There's not a lot hidden in there um like yep. assassin there's a lot hidden you could read this multiple times if you dig it and and probably find new things each time i mean the, it it is very dense i will say that like i read this over i read all eight issues like i tried to space it out because like it's a big comic it's each a, issue is like 40 pages long. i would not say it's a fun binge <laughs> like like trying no, to like, clobber this in a night it. would not be enjoyable no i i really had to spread it out but like 
I mean, I had a great time reading this, yeah. but over the course of a couple of days. Um, I also think, what was I going to say? I mean, you know what? Like, what you're saying about, like, having its cake and eat too, I think that might be totally valid, right? Like, is it satirizing this, like, hyperviolence it, or indulging Is it a it? satire? That was is, one of my key questions. I don't know anymore. Yeah, I, d- I, don't, I don't think really, it is. I don't think it is. I think no, attributing I, that to, to the work is wishful. I mean, he, yeah, in a degree, I mean, he's being playful at times, right? Playful, and he's definitely sure. being... Um, provocative like intentionally provocative at times like oh my god the um the cover of issue number three or four is one of the most like jarring upsetting (laughs) images that i think could rightly be called very misogynistic of it's a bunch of shield agents all standing like with a trophy but it's electra's dead body as if it's like they hunted her in a safari right it would be like the same way as if you had a lion spread out in front of you sure and it's i mean that that is a shocking image like almost nothing we've ever seen before um and I think clearly, you know, he's provoking a reaction there. Um, I think it is done. I don't think that's much. satire at all, though. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, I think he's just trying to, to, you know, that that might just be shock for shock's sake. Um, if it is, it's still done incredibly artfully and much more subtly and nuanced than something like Batman and Robin, which I just read this week for the first time. All-Star Batman and Robin. And <laughs> that is the Frank Miller and Jim Lee stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I've been reading his worst stuff because I've been like such a cheerleader for him lately. So this week I read the Batman Robin and I read Holy Terror. Whoa! Of your own and, accord! Like, yeah, yeah. I was, holy I mean, I'm cow! Curious. I mean, Holy Terror is, uh, you know, disgusting. Um, didn't but, like, didn't Batman, care for it, Batman huh? and Robin Was it worse weird. than Marvel? I mean, it's it's worse in a different way, right? Like, I, well, I mean, I think yeah. I think Holy Terror is actually like you know he his art still is incredible and has he's this, still like, Frank Miller somewhere in there, yeah, yeah, oh for sure. I mean, it is just hateful, like it is hateful and bigoted. Like that's that's the worst part about it. It's I mean, it's still you know like he he still knows how to write a comic, but then All Star Batman and Robin's weird, man. I, I actually I really want to read All Star Batman and Robin. I have not, and I'm morbidly curious for sure. Oh, you should. It's weird. It's kind of compelling in a weird way. <laughs> It's it it he's trying to do what Daredevil what he was doing with Daredevil but failing so like oh, okay. Batman is an insane person in it intentionally like he's a monster in that he's cackling as he's like he's having fun smashing kneecaps and stuff and I yeah, never yeah. got that I thought it was trying to be deeply serious no he's trying to do this thing where it's like making fun of superheroes for being these like hyper violent over the top fascists and it doesn't work really but like it's interesting yeah um yeah yeah I I I check it out anyway so I I, I mean. I think this just, like, he's creating his own weird little universe here in Elektra. It's so weird. It's so silly and funny, but, like, it never loses its sense of, like, coherence to me. Like, I mean, I think, like, the funny part, too, is, like, so John Garrett, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, who we get most of the story through, is in a hole. He's uh, a huge drinker. He's turned into, like, a cybernetic S.H.I.E.L.D. agent within, by, like, the yeah. first time we meet him. You know, he's got yeah, well, she, she chops him up and then blows him up. She, like, yeah. chops his hand it's off like, Electra, like, up. blows him up, turns him into a robot, then turns him turns him into her, like, hypnotic, um, you know, love play Love thing. slave, yeah. You know, yeah. that she's, you know, he, he's only got feelings for her. She's just stringing him along. And he, like, again, he's an a-hole, but he's occasionally funny. He's occasionally charming. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, he's that's funny. that's the point of view we get. So I, I think he's a pretty there. much a buffoon through the whole thing. He's a buffoon. I, I right. didn't, yeah, I didn't really get that he was cool almost ever, if at all. Like, so I, Yeah, I cool is probably the that. wrong word. Uh, more yeah. maybe charming because he's got that buffoonish sort of distance from S.H.I.E.L.D. So he's working yeah. with them, but he's yeah, also sure. kind of like F the man. 
you know, which is kind yeah. of inherently so, cool. So the first time he meets Nick Fury, this is like an all-time There's some great Nick Fury stuff. Introduction. In this. Nick Fury meets him and is just having a conversation. And I love like the, the idea here of just like, okay, so we just need a conversation between Garrett and Nick Fury. What are, what are they going to be doing? And it's like, well, Nick Fury, I guess he'll be testing out a new weapon. What's that new weapon? Oh, it's just like a, a 30-foot tall handgun it's just a handgun that like you know like the side that godzilla would use right if godzilla was going to pick up a handgun it would be that size and nick fury is riding it like a car and just firing into a wall it's so funny like that that joke is so good and then it's just you know what actually kind of reminds me of is mad max fury road sure it's just packed that energy like and like world building details where it's just like i'm not going to explain this like or if we are it doesn't need to make sense it's just like you just get that this world is so like well and shield in this world is so much bigger and weirder than i think we've ever been permitted to imagine it in ways that are really appealing you know they have all these like psyops divisions and really strange experiments of ways they're trying to manufacture their own weapons and, and you know cybernetic enhancements of soldiers that stuff works like that is a weird vision of shield that's a lot more interesting than uh you know the spies in the sky i think and then basically that basically they're just the cia yeah sure but weird um, like even weirder no no i'm you know, saying because it's, it's more interesting universe. than the the main line oh which yeah, is yeah basically that the right CIA, yeah. right um yeah, and like, and then there's this little spin-off agency called X Tech Op. I can't remember what it's X-Tech, called. X Tech, something um, like that. Yeah, and like, and their their workers, like, they have just cloned a bunch of. They keep calling them dwarves throughout, and I'm just like, well, that's not a dwarf. That 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 is clearly not a man. He's like a foot and a half tall, and he's got the teeth of a rabbit, and like, he has his ears allow him to fly. They're definitely uh, drawn more more alien creature than man. Yeah, yeah they mentioned later they spliced in like rodent and reptile dna into these yeah. guys but like they just let that sit for like four issues like we the first time you see it it's just like they're uh, they're interrogating they're like probing electra's brain and there's just all these weird little hooded you know 18 inch tall men walking around right with like rat faces and that's it it's just like you yeah, have to accept these details. Have yeah absolutely face like, you, you just like, you just embrace the weirdness of the detail and let it yeah. flow and kind of wash over you um and and just let it be the strange story i would i think my biggest criticism reading this again is mm-hmm. again electra's effective and great for action in this i do want to know m- I, more about what she is thinking as she is doing things like we yeah, get you don't get a inter- lot interior you, monologue you but it her. really becomes the john garrett show for most of the book yeah i mean she says like what 15 words in this entire thing well out <laughs> like, loud she barely yeah but yeah, her, like, we speaks, do get we, some stuff she's get, thinking. Or at least she's yeah, making get, other people think she's thinking. How about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, there's the whole, like, oh, is this actually happening? How much of the beast is real? You know, you could get into that. I don't know if I'm that interested in that. But, like, um, yeah, so, like, the whole thing is that the Hand has this creature called the Beast that they worship. It's this, like, metaphysical creature that wants to bring the whole world into darkness, like a pre-historical darkness without life. And the way that it influences people is it feeds them its milk, <laughs> Right, like yeah, it's this disgust, and it's literally just a glass of milk. I have been right about it's just milk gross all milk. Along. It, I, I, I was gonna vindicated. say this is the the best proof you've ever had about drinking glasses of milk. <laughs> yeah. Is that is the weapon of the beast, and I really yeah. can't argue it, that at this point. And he has infected um, a presidential candidate called Ken Wind. Now is <laughs> Remember, it wind or is it wind? not wind like a watch? Wind like in the air. Like <laughs> God, that line is so good. And the way that Sinkevich draws Sinkevich draws him. I love this. He just does like one still. It looks like a photograph, like a grainy black and white photograph that he plasters on the guy's head. Is this your Sandman thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
it's funny because uh, apparently people like kept thinking this was Dan Quayle, right? They were like making fun of Dan Quayle here. It's actually Sinkevich himself <laughs> through the whole thing. Oh, I didn't realize that. That is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, he uses it just to give this like weird sense of otherness to him the whole time. That's really effective. There's a scene at the end when he wins the presidential election. We get a double splash page of him. And his head's on backwards. Yeah. Like, look, yeah. it's looking at you from the stage, but it's on backwards in that, that panel. So there's, I just want to point out a few moments, like, because I think the action here is so electric. The action had me, like, I was so involved in this. There's a few parts here. Um, there's a scene where Garrett and Elektra are in the water. They just jumped into the Potomac River in right. D.C. And uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. is above them. And someone's saying, like, all right, there's two life signs in the water. We've got them tracked. And he's like, no, wait a second. There's eight. And then it cuts to underwater, and it shows six men, like, have immediately dropped in the water. And it's it's the presidential campaign's assistants, like, their accountants and campaign managers and stuff. Yeah. So they're all just dressed in suits and have briefcases, but also katanas in their hand. Yeah, that's and awesome. that scene, like, gave me chills. It also just, looks like, the, the... incredible. I mean, it's like this oh, deep, looks dark, so cool. like, blacks that he's using in this underwater scene. It is awesome. Electric. I mean, the violence for, like, there. A billion minutes. He does, <laughs> he does cool. that split. I'm sorry, say that again. I said Electra can hold her breath for a billion minutes while oh, she yeah, fights all these guys underwater. That, yeah. Pretty dope. I, there's that split panel of, like, a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in a, in some submarine suit. And then, like, the next panel is a mirror match of that, except his body is gone. Like, the, the violence just being implied by, like, his head is now removed from his body just by the removal or the, uh, the subtraction of his body from the panel. Right. Um, let's see. There's... Oh, Richard Nixon... It's not specifically Richard Nixon, but it like, looks like a portrayal. tiny Richard Nixon as the, uh, the so conservative, uh, what do you call it, incumbent candidate in our shri- presidential election. Shriveling down into his suit, this like tiny little diminutive man who was the entire time just stroking the red button to launch the nuclear war and like ranting to himself about how he's man enough to press it. Uh, it sleeping under an enormous dollar bill with his face on it. Yeah. Like that. Just, just like the the creativity that is coming the, out of every decision in this. Right? Well, and I said earlier, it's not satire. The commentary on uh, American politics and presidential candidates—that's satire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, for sure. That yeah, no, I, I get you that I'm like because I, I see you know like it satirizes you know like the ultra violence of you know this era and the machismo of '80s action. Like Garrett is a satir- satirizing like you know '80s action heroes and stuff, and it, like you know Dirty Harry or whatever. And it's like I, I don't know, is he or is he just one? Right, like, right. Where, where's the line there? So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. So, yeah, I mean, my, I have a big recommendation for this if it sounds like something you were into. Did you dig it more than Love and War, the other Miller and Sienkiewicz project that you <sighs> loved from the last Daredevil podcast? I, I don't know. It's tough. You know what? It feels so totally unique to me. Like, Love and War felt like something that I, like, grappled with, and basically every page I'm like, well, I get what he's saying here. Like, Well, I'm and Love and War is still confined to the Marvel Universe, right? For all its right. weirdness, and, it is still And I think that is that. very singularly focused on, like, one theme, and he's exploring it the whole time. Right. And it, like, I, I feel like I understand how please, that Please, tell moves. me the theme the, of Electra Assassin. Di- <laughs> huh? I said, please, tell me the theme of Electra Assassin. I'd love to hear right, that Right, exactly. Down. Like, there's a very different type of satisfaction that comes from love and war which is like reading something like so tightly 
I, I feel like everything, it, it's a, you know, that work of art where everything points to one another. And I just feel like it's, you know, there's all these layers that suggest the theme of it. This, right. I am more just like, I'm along for the ride, right? This is just like a smorgasbord of energy and ideas and creativity. And I'm just like in love with this world and this aesthetic that they're building. So I don't know. Uh, they feel very different to me. It's, it's tough to compare. For sure. It's um, it's cool that they got to make this project. I don't, again, yeah, like by no means is it perfect, but it is it's the sort of project where you go like, man, I wish Marvel had more stuff like this. I wish the How? Epic line, for when... example, could be more, um, even, even today, forget the Epic line then just even today, like where are these weird standalone projects that just let creators go wild with their properties? You know, even that like I is mean, fairly I love, uncommon today. I adore Mr. Miracle, but like even Mr. Miracle was not this like disinhibited or you know like i mean it's a very different type of product but like i, it's I, certainly I really more linear think of... i mean that's structurally what is? the way it's presented i mean everything about it is more understandable i suppose yeah um, but yeah, that's I mean, actually that mr miracle is a good example because that was retroactively made a part of dc black label and dc black label is the type of dc imprint for all of their struggles and challenges right now as a publisher where creators have the potential opportunity to do stuff like this, right? Yeah. Even though, like, obviously saying, oh, do stuff like Miller and Sienkiewicz is a tall order for a lot of creators. Because guess what? If a lot of creators come out here and tell a story this nonlinear with this much of a fever it's, dream quality, it's going it would to be get just, terrible. like, I'd read the first issue and throw it out. Because I'd be like, what? What was this? Unless the art I mean, was I've just read, that captivating. I've read art comics before, right, that are, like, in this vein of playing with the structure that is just like well i don't know what's going on and i'm totally disconnected from this and nothing about this there's a lot of trust that goes into it there's there's a ton of trust like you have to know that these creators you have reason to follow these creators through this mess of a maze and again like if this was their first work and we didn't know the character of electra i don't know I don't know how far yeah. along we're sticking around for the ride. Um, I mean, I'm just like, d- does Marvel ever do anything like this again? Like, can you think of anything like Marvel that comes close to, like, being this, you know, esoteric? Like this? I mean, Age of Apocalypse is like, they were like, what if we didn't have any X-Men comics anymore? And they were all in the Apocalypse universe, right? I mean, that that's Pretty like an editorial big. choice, but that's not like a story structural <laughs> okay, thing. That's not even cl- okay, close yeah. to comparable. Uh, oh, I, something I that is it, this so strangely singular and unique that's what i'm saying though is like it's not they don't have a place for this because stuff that is in the marvel universe doesn't do this it doesn't get this weird it doesn't just say like hey electric can just have whatever telepathy you know telepathy power she wants like they can't do that with their characters it's too weird dc definitely does let them play with this a little more i think and it like specifically you're right with like black label i mean i just read wonder woman dead earth which i think is like an absolute marvel totally totally does this kind of thing right adore it but like even that still feels a lot more restrained within the structure of like kind of a a traditional conventional well there's a difference between there's a difference between blowing up the parameters and expectations for a character in the big two universes and telling a story that is um so surreal and esoteric that is that is a storytelling decision they made in this that doesn't really have anything to do they're two separate entities, right? So yeah, like Wonder Woman Dead Earth would not be a better comic for trying to do a non-traditional structure, right? Yeah, I mean, like no, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think that, it that's not what well. it, like, I don't demands, think that would have behooved yeah. Daniel Warren Johnson to do that. I think he would have lost readers in a way because he needs to build some of that trust. Yeah, no, Mr. Miracle is probably the closest thing I can think of that is, you know, like that, that challenging. So much more coherent. There, but basically, it's like, is there a comic that is this confusing that is this good? 
<laughs> or you know? or that just like I guess confusing in as much as like d- demands your attention because man does this kind well yes I think there are those for like, sure it, it demands that you are like on board with it buying in and like along for the ride and it will reward you for that but you know you do have to there's a certain level of buy-in I think a lot of Graham Morrison's work um, obviously more on the DC side typically uh, there's obviously there's mm. some X-Men stuff we'll get to is is of that vein of demanding your attention it is of that vein of you need to you need to come along for the ride and meet me three quarters of the way because I'm not I'm not gonna hold your hand I'm not gonna tell you what these you know creatures are <laughs> right we're calling them clone dwarfs you need to accept this and understand this and do a little bit of the homework on your I think I think I'm, as I'm a creator to, he's often to dig working in stuff. that vein yeah I'm uh, yeah I'm just not that like well versed in his stuff except for a little bit here and there I mean his his Batman Arkham Asylum I guess is not is comparable in terms yeah. of Dave McKean's art painting more of a a feel and more of a like what you know a kind of an experience than telling a panel by panel story i think in some ways i don't know how comparable the stories are otherwise but yeah there's definitely work out there that does it but again like just fitting in a big two superhero universe almost by default makes a comic not this confusing or weird right yeah sure but because again if you're just like i mean if you were in the my mother's year club to read a bunch of marvel comics and kind of get all this continuity and you want to know about these characters and like you're here for superhero comics like it's kind of isn't that like and you know, hopefully, I think it'll be a nice surprise, s- right? Like, go ahead, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, I just hopefully it will be, you know, like for some people, this will be like, wow, this is a breath of fresh air and like a fun diversion from you know the world building and the the character driven like plotting of Marvel. But it's uh, you know, I, I I get if you know it's, it's not that. Per- well, and you mentioned Sandman earlier, and I think the reason I included and the reason I think it's interesting to to add to the My Marvel issue experience is just like a comic that is trying for heights that high. A comic that is striving for those ambitions in a way that now, like, again, like when you look across the non-Big 2 line, whether you're looking at Image Comics, Vault, Dark Horse, Boom, wherever, there there are a lot of comics that are going to do real surreal, non-linear story. And a lot of them you're never going to hear about because they try it and it doesn't quite... Grab and they an get audience. three issues, and then they yeah yeah. I mean, or, or it doesn't have the, the you know the wild. craft <laughs> to get there, right? Sometimes it's the creators yeah. aren't quite ready to tell that story, right? That's possible too. Yeah. Um, but sure. the, we're talking about here about extremely established car- uh, creators at this point. They can do this. They can get away with this, and yeah. to have it set again, just even with a Marvel character, is super atypical. So it's it's interesting to see like what else can comics be doing? It's kind of let loose from some of those superhero restraints. Because that is, again, it's not it's not a perfect comic. It It's not, oh, I wish every comic was like Electro Assassin and free. No, no, definitely not. But this one kind of works. And it does make you question, again, like I'm kind of viewing the bars of the panels of like a superhero, you know, like Captain America comics like we talked about at the beginning of this as, as kind of these prison bars. And it's like Electro Assassin blows those out of the water. I mean, it, it is kind of a little bit like going from like all you watch is MCU movies to like watch a David Lynch. Sometimes. Yeah, sure, totally. It's just like, yeah, just like it's a little more challenging and yeah. like, and it's not going to hold your hand as much and it's not like satisfying in the same way but like it brings its own pleasures and its own like satisfaction i mean i will say like Um, most comics i dig are are more uh what's the word um more contiguous more like together (laughs) than electro assassin i i don't love the confusion of it necessarily it's interesting to experience but it does not make it stand out as you know my absolute favorite comic i have it ranked very highly 
I think, on my best comics of all time because of the artistic merit that is put into it, I think, so clearly. Yeah, the, um, the confusion is, is challenging. a feature, not a bug to me, like, for this. Like, totally. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't view it as, you know, like, I, I feel like it's very specifically doing, like, what it what it, what it's doing, it's doing intentionally. You know, I guess I, what I, I mean by like that, though, is I do like a good story still, and I don't yeah. know that oh, Electro yeah. Assassin that, that actually I said, tells I think it's a just good like, story. It's a different thing. It's a totally different, you know, yes. like the MCU's good and Lynch is good, right? They're just... No, just really only the MCU, I would say. Right, and yeah. it's kind of like Lynch. Well, I mean... What has he done? Let's not talk you know? about DC movies. Okay, so I've got Speaking of what has he factoids. done, man, do I want to watch quick... Twin Peaks again. Like right Want to watch what? Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah, I, I have to watch that to watch the final season. I still haven't seen the, like, the new Showtime season now. Um, four facts, actually. One. Four facts. I can't believe that they did a Jennifer Garner mainstream like marvel movie based on this book that's wild to me i still haven't <laughs> Have seen, you seen it, that but, like no, no it's but, actually like... it's a more interesting movie than i thought it would be because i <laughs> watched it you know a good six seven years after it came out and had no expectation and i i thought yeah, it was just gonna be like this weird sequel to daredevil and actually it's the whole the way it's made is just so much different than i expected it doesn't feel like a superhero movie the way you might think it would i be. thought it was like in the realm of like catwoman of just oh god it's got a 1.6 stars on oh it's bad like it's not okay. good but i do think it's interesting in a way that catwoman with the exception of the basketball scene is not oh yeah classic okay that's one number two on the actually Wikipedia she is page, saved says, by a lot of cats elsewhere so there might be more good scenes than that that i'm thinking about <laughs> wikipedia page 1988 nominated for best finite series for an eisner award and i was like guess who won that nom- year like i was like what the hell could have beaten this oh Watchmen. Okay, <laughs> watchman <laughs> i mean like i because i yeah. can't i don't know what could have beat this besides you know what is widely considered like the best <laughs> limited comic of all time yeah um yeah um a couple quick Frank Miller facts, because I don't know if we're covering more Frank Miller for a while or much at all in Marvel anymore. So I just want to get these out now. Uh, One, not for a while. Yeah, it's going to be until I mean, we're 1993, gonna, we're gonna do I'm going to say. The next Electra, and then that's it, right? 93, he, he yeah. comes back for Daredevil. Oh, okay. I think it is. Um, Frank Miller wrote the Ninja Rap for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. No way. You yeah, wrote the lyrics or like the music? Yeah, I Either mean, way. I'm assuming the, li- I'm assuming the lyrics. <laughs> Um, and then two, and this might be interesting to you if you don't know this, in years, in, I'm not sure when this is, um, sorry, in 1992, a Dark Horse comic written by Frank Miller, Robocop versus the Terminator. Walt Simonson Art, baby. Yep. By yeah. Walt Simonson. Got that one in the long box here. Do you? Have you read it? Yeah. It's really good. And I don't even really, like, I, I don't like those franchises in that, I like in Robocop, the sense that I'm not like, like a long-term Terminator. fan. I, I like them fine, yeah. but I'm not like a big head. Yeah. But yeah, that I mean, comic, that creative unit is fascinating to me. He also wrote the scripts for Robocop 2 and 3. Yes. I guess. Which are pretty, people don't like those as movies. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I actually yeah. thought Robocop, uh, so my, my dad always told me that, um, but I think when I was, either my mom was pregnant with me or like when I was a baby, he took her to see Robocop. And was they had to leave after like 20 minutes because it was so violent. And I was kind of laughed because my mom's not like super into action or violent stuff. Um, but then I watched it, you know, as an adult. And I was like, yeah. this is the most violent movie I've ever seen. It's incredible. But it's so silly. Oh, like it's, 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 I mean, I maybe mean that, a that, little. It's not like that. That is ha-ha. a movie that's satirizing ultra violence. Oh, it's very funny. I mean, the... maybe to your sick sensibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. Sorry. Speaking of which one of the moments that got a real like actual like laugh out loud moment in Electra assassin was when the head of that um exacorp or whatever the people who make the cyborgs yeah uh electra like oh no perry the uh the like cyborg that goes crazy 
kills like the entire crew including the the head scientist and then shield comes in after the fact and they're interrogating perry and they have his head just hooked up to the machine and it's like this really gruesome grisly shot of his dangling head like blood dripping out of his neck but he is just like being really placating and he's just like i think everyone's uh worried about this a little too much i don't see any reason for interdepartmental tensions here and like doing this like very corporate speak while he is like in the aftermath of his brutal murder that the juxtaposition there just like made me crack up Oh, the Sandman thing I was talking about was Perry. Perry looks like um, like one of the demons, the demons that challenges Morpheus to... Uh, oh, that like is not the, what I was the... thinking. I thought you were talking about yeah, the Sandwind that... uh, collage head. He even has like the same sunglasses, like those weird pointy sunglasses. It made me... What, what did you think I was thinking of? The Kenwind collage head. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that feels very something that uh, Sandman would do. All right, yeah, so I think I think that's going to do it for Electra Assassin. Thank you all for listening. Um, if you'd like to support the show, patreon.com, iTunes reviews. Thank you very much. Those are the ways. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Music for the show is by Disasterpiece, and we will see you next See you next time. time.